Well, I guess we're live. What's up, everybody? I'm Dustin Coiner, talking motorbikes, and we got the Ask a Superbike Genius segment with the genius himself from Fresh and Lean Progressive Yamaha Racing, presented by Attack Performance. You always wonder if you're saying it right or not. It sounds all right. But <laughs> it's presented by enough. Attack Performance, something we made up. It's not really in the team title. Well, uh, yeah, but it's in the little box on your shirt, dude. So, like, it's... It is. Well, so yeah. is Yamaloop. Yeah. And so is... So is uh, Yamaha uh, Financial Services. Yamaha Financial Services. If you said all that stuff, the race would be over. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And there goes, you know, Jake Gagne, blah, 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 blah. You'd already have a lap down. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You've just come off a pretty stellar weekend. I mean, we were talking the last time and, you know, we didn't really talk about maybe winning the championship with a couple rounds to go. Like, what the well, hell? I mean, it was mathematically possible. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tom Alverson said, hey, you know, make sure we get the blah, blah, blah done and make sure he doesn't have this thing on the podium because red doesn't work for us. It was like, it was the, it was the bib, you know, the Alpine star bib because they want to do one in red and, Oh, it's in blue and, you know, I hate to put this on you, but Tom wasn't there of all things. I mean, even, you know, yeah, the race managers wasn't even there. He's normally there. But anyway, he had some other things he had to get done. So yeah. uh, it was a lean team. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there was always that mathematical possibility. And the other guys had to really make make a non weekend out of, out of their weekend. And they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some pretty big surprises. I mean, you know, Bobby Fong getting pole was pretty impressive, I thought, considering, you know. You know, they, they, they bought that bike from us, and then they uh, basically tailored it to their liking. Yeah. And, you know, they rebuilt the engine, done their own engine R&D, and, and it's kind of what Ozzy Dave does. You know, he, he's always been his own guy, which is, I respect that a lot. He's a, he's a tinkerer. Oh, absolutely. Like me. Yeah. Right? So I, have, I have Absolutely. No, I have no, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. He builds his own gas tank and does his own wiring harness or builds his own engines. That's what he does. Yeah. And uh, the main reason why they bought a bike from us and was, A, I, I guess you can get some of the chassis stuff like the spring arm and link that are not really available for the rest of the paddock. Right. Buy a bike from us. And also you get the electronic support. Which yeah. Is a big deal for them. Because otherwise, I mean, it takes quite a while to get your head wrapped around all the intricacies of the software. And uh, so we just give them give them the maps that we start with, and they they tailor it to what what Fong wanted. And I think Fong was doing kind of a bit of a full circle. You know, first he was all like he talked to you, I think yeah. before at, at Brainerd. He was all about give me power, give me more power, and then the bike's unrideable. Yeah. And uh, and then and then you're like, uh, oh, make it smoother, make it smoother, make it softer, and then you go faster, right? right. So. They're pretty close to where we are in the software. They're probably a little more open in some areas. So that's why you saw Fong almost get pitched. And uh, you listen, and it's funny, you listen to the riders like, hey, what happened in that corner? Fong's like, uh, I just, I, I did, you know, I just went in there just like the way I always do. And then it almost threw me off there. So I get hmm. the data. They look at it like, no, you had more throttle in there. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, your TC was not quite high enough to catch it because you don't like it that much. And, you know, the, the bullshitometer, right? Yeah, the bullshitograph. <laughs> I just love working awesome. writers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was impressive. He, you know, he was he was able he to kind of run it. Yeah, he, he was really going good. good, man. You know, 
yeah, I mean, he he did get a little bit of a bullshit penalty. I thought, uh, you know, where we jumped the curb. Yeah, the chicane thing. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, got the same thing like twice. Yeah, our guys seem to avoid it, but I think Jake avoided it because he didn't want that two second thing to happen again. But Man. that was basically a one second penalty the way they worked it. So I think us taking the beating at Laguna kind of got Motor America to rethink some of some of their uh, death penalty strategies because <laughs> they they used to be. I mean, they used to give you such a big penalty for cutting the track or whatever. You know, when the, when when you were pushed off the chicane, you had nowhere right. to go. You went straight. It was it was a gigantic penalty. So I think they got to rethink it. I think it's a little bit smarter now. Like, like you saw what Heron did. He jumped the curbing or whatever he did. Then he slowed down and gave up two bike positions. He was able to yeah. go back to second for a bit, right? Before yeah. that was the last race. We're kind of fast forwarding. But I think that's a much better way than they were before. We, oh, you touched the green two seconds. Right. Like right. really? Now it's, it's, you miss the chicane, you know, one second in that sector. So I think that's a much better way. But that chicane, honestly, is worth a second and a half. I'm going to show you on a graph later. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and they were doing it in other classes too. I mean, it. Some of the bikes, some of the guys were jumping the first one pretty significantly. Like, yeah, you know. Um, well, the right, there's a curbing there, and it just yeah. launches the entire. I'm, I will have to go through all our rims. And see, see how many we bent. Jake had his has bent a fair share of wheels. Yeah. Over the, over the years by jumping curbing, you know, he's, he's the madman of the curbing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was I mean, there was PJ, PJ looked like he had a, he had a pretty strange trajectory going into it and he would just jump the thing. And it, I mean, he'd barely land and flick to the flick to the left. It's like, God damn. Yeah. PJ likes to ride a pretty loose motorcycle and, and, uh, he was riding the wheels off that thing in race two. Again, yeah, he was around, but, but you know when he finished just behind Jake, he was he was riding the wheels off that thing. He really yeah. wants to get that second win. It was kind of uh, like Brainerd all over again. Yeah, yeah. And then bad luck for uh, for our former writer Bobier, man. Jeez, dude, I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, dude. You know? I mean, it's just I, I'm I'm speechless. Me too, man. I, I, like, it, started, it started Laguna when he when he ran over. Uh, he, he had no choice, but he ran over our bike when Cameron Peterson fell down, and he jumped yeah. that thing. Now he's like jumping bikes every single weekend. It seems like <laughs> <laughs> the bike launching <laughs> ramps. <laughs> I, I yeah. talked to Ashton. He said that uh, that basically, like a you know, jumping the curb or whatever, must have uh, pulled a wire loose, and he pulled the trigger, and nothing happened. Like. Yeah. yeah, no, I thought it looked like it jumped out of gear or threw a chain. I thought it threw a chain because sometimes, at least when, you know, way back in the day, you know, Aaron Yates' days on the Yosh bike, he would jump the curbing at uh, at Sonoma and flick a chain. And our, our old Kawasaki used to do that too. He'd jump the curbing real hard or at Fontana and you'd throw the chain off the, off the thing because the swing arms are a little bit flexy back then. Right. And uh, so anyway, I thought maybe threw a chain, but yeah, I guess the drive-by wire came disconnected and then he had nothing limp mode, 10% yeah. back, nothing gives it. And, you know, it's weird to see Cameron back in that area in the first place, you know? like Yeah, you know, I guess. They were having a hard good. time get, getting it. He, he went so good morning warm-up. He was like, right at qualifying or sub-qualifying. Can't remember how fast he went. It was deep in the 41s. Yeah. It was like, wow, he's going to be hard to beat. 
if he can maintain that pace. He did a couple of them. And then he rolled out for the race. I guess I guess Dave said, um, Dave, his crew chief, said it was like the worst rear tire he's ever gotten. Hmm. I don't know if they missed on the pressure or something happened or, you know, so, something got on the tire, but apparently had no grip and he ran off the track and tried to come back on and looked like he was struggling just to kind of pass those guys like Ashton and, and uh, who was behind him? Uh, Gillum. Yeah, Hayden Gillum. Yeah. Yeah in the middle of those guys and and he should have just saw through those guys they were like they were nothing on you know with a but he was hanging back there with them for all he's got and 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 the, and the bike and all that stuff you know uh, right i was really surprised to see him back there i thought i thought uh pj was him when i first saw that saw it start the race I thought, okay well you know we're up there we're we have uh we have a few guys that are on yamaha's between us and cameron and uh yeah i mean we were counting Honestly, I mean, as far as the championship goes, I was counting points to the end. So I thought we would we would probably wrap it up in New Jersey. Yeah. We kept, kept our nose clean, you know, and I think that's that's where I think Jake was a little bit smarter this year. Yeah. Is that, um, I mean, he's smart every year, but he played it fairly smart where where we had a hard time winning. He didn't, he did, I wouldn't say not try to win. He, he always tries to win, but uh, he didn't push until he pushed on the ground. Right. You know, when he was racing Cambobier in 20, he would he would definitely push the bike into the ground. You know, he wanted to stay with him that, that hard. And uh, so we end up getting on a podium every single weekend, except the one the one I think where we broke the clutch at uh, Road America. I think he's, been, he's on the box every time, maybe, except for another time. I can't remember. Road, uh, Road Atlanta this year. Yeah, Road Atlanta. What happened to Road Atlanta? I can't remember. Fuel. Fuel. No, that wasn't that wasn't this year. Oh, that was... Road Atlanta, he won Road Atlanta, race two. Right. And he finished uh, third, I think, in race one. Yeah. Yeah. The Oh, I think uh, the problem we had at Road Atlanta was qualifying stuff, right? No, that was Road America. Was it Road America? Second. Yeah, Road see, I'm, it all blends together, man. <laughs> no, Road, Road Atlanta. It was Road something. <laughs> Road Atlanta were on the 2022 version of MPG, even though they say oh. it's the same version. No okay. issues at no issues at Road, Road Atlanta. Road, we had, Road America. We had a 55 gallon drum from last year. Yeah. We, used, we burned it up there. That was the first race. And then we took the fuel we got there, which was still like 2022 blend. And we, right. went, to, we went to Barber with it. And everything was cool at Barber. Then we took our Barber fuel that we collected up and took it to Road America and melted everything in the first session. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you're, that's what you're thinking of. You're yeah. Actually, dude. You're I, definitely not Gregopedia. Definitely not. Definitely not. I I've smashed my head a bunch. Like whatever, man. Yeah, your 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 concussions are starting to mix up all the all the facts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you know, this weekend, uh, it it was pretty cool to see Jake do Jake things again. Um, you know, it's it's been a it seems like it's been a tougher year for him. But like you said, he was. He's did this champion thing and, you know, champions do what champions do. And, you know, he kind yeah. of rode, rode hard when he needed to. And when he, when he didn't have it, he was like, all right, I'll take second. <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he wanted to take second. Like you saw at Laguna, he fought back all the way to the end. You know, he yeah. would have had second. If the thing went another couple laps, he would have been challenging for the win without a doubt. He was already yeah. up alongside uh, Bobier. 
Yeah. And we had that two-second penalty, so it put us in third. And so it, there was definitely areas where it took them a little longer to get rolling. And sometimes the the weird tracks and tires didn't work out in our favors. Not weird, but repaved tracks when the grip was really high. Yeah. And when the grip was really high, it was it was just really strange. Between the new tires, the new tracks, we couldn't we could apply power, but the other guys had a little more power to apply. Right. So the tracks are kind of crappy and bumpy and roller coasters. Our our bikes like it because they can put they can they're nimble. They can they're like a modern jet fighter. You know, they'll turn, they'll accelerate, they'll do all those things with a little bit easier than the other bikes will do. Yeah. Ducati kind of struggles. The, the surgeon scalpel, right? The surgeon yeah, scalpel. You know, so so we're, that's where, that's why, you know, we've won the last four championships with our team. And then how many was Yamaha's won? Like a, 10 of them or something. I mean, every championship since 20. Yeah. 2017 was the, the one uh, non Yamaha for, yeah, for the long time. Yeah. Suzuki won it. Right. Right. So, I mean, how good is the Yamaha one? Is that good? Well, but you know, everybody was saying that after Road Atlanta that it's time to hang it up, right? After Road Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, so, just hang it up. Now, yeah. I mean, we come back to shop, we work a little harder. You saw at, at Brainerd, you know, we give the thing the juice. If we want to give it the juice, you know, to make it accelerate a little harder because we have to, you can see it, it could spin the tire in fifth gear. Yeah. You know, yeah. Turn two, <clears throat> spin the tire all the way up to up to the edge of the track. I mean, that's that's what you could do if you if you want to ride a bike like that. So you you're make, uh, you're because of the the competition, you guys have had to kind of turn up the heat a little bit, and it's 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 making the bike look quite a bit more animated um, than it used to. Um, yeah. But he's getting down he's getting down the straights. You know, it, he's got he's got some he's got some muscle. Yeah, Seems I like, mean, when's the last time somebody passed him on a straightaway? I think it was Ron Atlanta. Right. You know what I mean? I, I think that uh, when he got passed at Laguna, it wasn't on the straight, it was on the corner. You know, change direction, if I remember right. But uh, I can't remember exactly where he got passed at Laguna. But uh, same at Ridge. You know, he's, oh, Ridge got passed on the brakes going to uh, the chicane. Yeah. So we've made the bike better and better and better, you know, eliminating some of the controls that slow the bike down. Like if we don't need anti-wheelie, we just make sure they're completely off. If we don't need traction control, we make sure they're completely off. But that makes it a little bit more hard to ride, like in tall, tall high-speed corners, because the thing is, is going to slide. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, you also had, um, I actually, you know, seeing Cam Peterson in the pits, like coming out support the team with a big old cast on his arm. Yeah, yeah, poor he, guy. He was in good spirits. I guess the surgery went really, really well. Yeah, he said, he said he's already got more range of motion with the thing recovering than he ever had since his first time he broke that. What, wrist. Can he take the cast off? Is that? Yeah, apparently, I told him take it easy, man. You don't have to go <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he, he was in there with his big old wooden spoon trying to stretch it out. He said it's like uh, the cast is. It was, it's a soft cast of some kind, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's got two halves and it's got the bandage around it. Okay. Yeah, so you can shower that with it. Got cut off already, you know? Oh, yeah. I said, so you need to chill. I mean, it's only been a few weeks. Yeah. Like, that guy, he'll be wanting to ride the bike a coat, I guarantee you. I can do it. He's I like, it's still good. It. Here, shake my hand. Yeah. 
like he, gives I, you the gummy, he gives you the gummy fish. <laughs> oh, that's what I had at, 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 Daytona. Uh, at Daytona. I'm like, come on, give me a grip. And you could see him like make yeah. one of those faces. And it was like, are you kidding me? My five-year-old does better at this. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you know, he's a he's a brave soldier, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. that dude. Yeah, he, he could. Man, I've, I've seen that guy fall down. He looks like he's cuckoo for coconuts, you know what I mean? And, and the next day, he's just fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's um, that's kind of how you have to be to have that as your career, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't let you can't you can't be uh, stressed about the fear or all that kind of stuff. You know, you you, you have to want it more than fear, right? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that's it's, race. I'm scared. Bef- before this. Before this weekend, you guys went out and tested at Coda briefly, right? For a couple of days. Yeah, a couple of days. Yeah, and you had uh, you had uh, Jake ride the bike, and then Josh Hayes did some laps at Coda as well as uh, JD Beach. Yeah. And so, you know, did you guys learn something with? I, I guess, do you learn something at Coda that you brought with you to Pittsburgh? We learned that 140 degree weather, the Coda bathrooms are like torture chambers. Oh, the toilets. You want to get in, get business done real quick and run out of there because that thing was like 110 degrees in that toilet. So you're you're uh, producing a steamer for real. (laughs) I mean, it was really a steamer. (laughs) I got out of here sweating like crazy. Wow. I mean, that thing heat those garages heat up so bad overnight. Because oh, it was man. 100 at night and 105 in the day, you know. But uh, I must say the Dunlop tires held up really well in the heat. Yeah. I think they messed their temperature range by 10C. Really? They work the hotter it gets, the better they work? They work pretty good. You know, they yeah. were thinking they was going to tear up, shred the tires because they repaved sections, but they were fine. Hmm. You know, but it was strange. All the tires went about the same lap time. The R3, the R5, and the R7. And the R7 actually seemed to be a little bit better than the other two. With the R3 supposed to be the qualifier. So well, the qualifier, again, is not any better than the race tire. Right. Which it seems to be the kind of the trend. Yeah. I told those guys, that I told I told Hunter, our, our tire tech, who's actually the, one of the engineers on the tire program, I said, you know what? How about we just get rid of the, the qualifiers? Just get rid of them. Just like Moto2 and MotoGP. Like, you just... Just qualifying a soft tire. That way we're not doing the come in and put a tire on for a couple laps, get nothing in, in return, and then come back in and wasted a couple laps. You know, right. we'll just turn the guy out, let him do five, six, seven strong laps, come back in, grab another another one like they do in MotoGP. Yeah. Another new tire and then put in your last few five or six laps done. Instead, keep horsing around with a tire that's supposed to be better, but it's not really. Right. And then the other option I gave them was, how about you just make us, because you get a free sticker, you know, for qualifying. So how about you just let us choose the compound we want to put that sticker on? Put a sticker on a Pirelli? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say brand, I said compound. Hey. The Pirelli's uh, got basically a soft race tire for a qualifier also. Yeah. You know, the CX or the whatever they call it, the Q, FCQ. So they've always had kind of a soft tire. Then what ends up happening is the guys end up wanting to do the Super Bowl race with their qualifying tire. So they're not, it's not really a right. It's really a soft race tire. 
Yeah, it's like the it's like the super duper SCX, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, before the test, I, you know, knowing that JD was going to ride the thing, I sent him a message and I was like, hey, man, um, I hope you have your your right hand in shape for that thingy that's on the end of the bar on the right bar that's not on your bike that you would normally race. <laughs> and he said he said he was born ready with like yeah, a flexing yeah. muscle emoji. <laughs> well, you know, he's got a really good memory. Yeah. He yeah. does. You remember stuff that happened, and I, I remember it too. You know that the stuff that happened when we rode, first rode our bike in 2011. Yeah, because we did that uh, that Kawasaki thing where we it was called uh, Road to Daytona. It was Eric Bostrom and JD Beach, and they did quite a That's bit of right. filming, quite a bit of filming at the shop and filming at the track, and and then Eric had to have a miserable weekend, and then JD and Eric said, "I'm not going to race superbike the rest of the year or whatever." So JD ended up filling in. And doing superbike, we had to get him. You know, I think it was seventeen at the time. Yeah. I don't know who JD was even. You know, I'm like, oh, this guy, he's risen flat track, and he's got a, you know, he won in in whatever Red Bull thing in Europe, and I'm like, okay, so we put him on the bike, and he didn't know how to use the front brake. Like the brake pressures were, there were no brake pressure in the front. You know, <laughs> so I hammered him all year about that, and 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 he, he didn't really know how the feel of how the front tire is supposed to be on the brakes and things like that, and he. Crash the bike a lot, you know, a lot. Yeah, so I tell you, he did a lot of parts testing for us. You know, by yeah, it, it, so if crashing was learning, he learned a lot. He learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of remembers all that and remembers, you know, what what I was telling him way back then. And then in nineteen, you know, I was when he rode our super bike for that year, um, which is the last time we rode a full season super bike. He he remembers, you know. I was always pushing him to use the front brake, use the front brake more, turn on the brakes, trail brakes. So uh, coming into this deal in 21, I mean, uh, he filled in for Heron at, at Brainerd. Yeah. Never saw the track and, and never saw the track. And uh, we had that Thursday, I think they let us ride. So he had an extended time. But compared right. to the other guys, you know, I think he did pretty good. He was chasing, I think, Fong down the whole race. He was right behind him trying to chase him down. But, but uh He's, he definitely picked up the pace and, and used a lot of brake pressure. It was an impressive amount that he was using. And no drama, no falling over, no nothing, you know. Just no nice no drama with your your updated rear set on the right side that doesn't have a brake lever? Yeah, you know what? He actually was using the finger lever. Was he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Up, over the, up over the wheelie hill over there at PRC. So he's, he, he's out, he was actually using it properly. Oh, good. I wish I could get our other two main guys to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we only spent a bunch of time and effort on it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's dirt tracker, you know, you kind of expect him to be on the rear brake like the other riders, you know? Yeah, he just he just held it a little bit just to get get up over the rise. And I think that because initially we're, we're I told Marshall, I said that was that was a, a that area there. Um for whatever reason, Jake could get over it a little bit, a little bit better. He's taller, maybe get over on the pegs a little better than than uh, Cam Peterson last year. Yeah, and Cam Peterson was was requiring a little more wheelie control over that thing because he would just, you know, I don't know if he didn't stand on the pegs in a, as much or whatever the deal was. His bike would wheelie more going over that hill. So I told hmm. Marshall today, hey, make sure you pay attention to that. And of course, the first session it was wheeling a little too much over that rise. And right, when he was going for the rear pedal. It doesn't exist, you know. 
with his foot. And I said, well, there's got one here on the finger you can always use, you know? And then he started using that until we got the weed control better. So, but then he got that kind of his rhythm. Well, I, I did, I, I did ask, I, I reached out to JD today and I was like, dude, I've got Richard on the show tonight. Like, do you got anything you'd like to say about your experience this weekend? And um, he, he's, dude, he's really good at responding. Like, I'm like, who the fuck am I, first of all? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and dude, he's like, lickety split, dude. He's like, yeah. So he, he sent me, he's, you know, I mean, I'm right. So yeah. Um, He's he says he had a great time and the team is super good. Uh, says you guys were patient with him when 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 he was just getting going, um, but then you guys pushed him when he needed to be pushed. Yeah. He says uh, he's like, man, I was just a fill in and they had a lot on the line with Jake, but you could generally tell that they wanted me to do well and were pumped after the races. Um, he said he had a fun time working with you again. And uh, he says that you're very serious. Well, he doesn't know what fun is. <laughs> he says he says that you're very serious and that you want to win, but when the time is right, that you like to joke around and have a sense of humor. So I was like, "Wow, bro!" <laughs> yeah, we have a good time. Uh, the the uh, he probably didn't mention after race one. So after race one, you know, I can't remember how he, he had an okay race. I mean, he was he was in, in a pack, but he didn't knew very much passing and I said uh so was there any issues with the bike really no the bike was good I would just want to get you know race one under my belt and on the start I didn't really charge hard between people I didn't want to make any mistakes and mess anybody up I'm like screw that I think you think I use much harsher language than that you can you know, maybe f word you know <laughs> imagine that <laughs> Didn't say maybe, that part. maybe maybe uh, that's the push he was talking about. I think that was the push he was talking about. I go, it's funny, man. I go, you have nothing to lose. You have no points. Who cares? Go hurt some feelings. <laughs> wow, man. That's awesome. But yeah, yeah. like, you know, he, uh, before the coded test, you know, about the brake lever thing, you know, he's like, hey, yeah, I was born ready, you know, and now he goes and he has a good experience. And I mean, it looked like he was getting going and, um, you know, it looked like he had podium pace, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was in that group that was basically that third place group, right? Yeah. You know, he was he was pacing Heron the whole time in race one or two. I think uh, Heron got a penalty that which put it behind him, and then I think JD got held up by uh, by a back marker, and that put Heron again in front of him, even though yeah. Heron was in front of him, but he was right there behind him the whole race. Yeah. So for a guy who's had multiple, I mean, nonstop seasons of superbike racing, except for last year, I guess he rode super sport, but he's had a number of superbike uh, races and, and wins and championship. You know, he was able to pace him and he went with uh, Skoltz and, and PJ. And I mean, he's racing with all those guys who've been in the championship for a bit, at least all year. Yeah. So I, I was I was impressed, you know, for as little as time as he's had on our bike and this bike keeps evolving. So every time somebody rides, it, it isn't like, Oh, the 21 bikes exactly the same as we had. Nothing's it's not whoever rode it in 21 would hop on this thing. And go, wow. This thing feels a little bit different other than the fuel tank and the seat. Right. Well, you, you also mentioned to me that um, you were noticing th some things about his riding. Like he, he's a, able to adapt to things. You said something about him kind of doing the Gagne snap the bike upright thing. Yeah, you know, uh, when 
when we showed him some of the overlays, I said he snatched it up a little better. He's getting on the top of the tire and all that. And you watch him on the on on the in the race. You know, he's he's trying to do it. He's he's a little shorter than Jake, so he can't be as as aggressive. But he looked like you know Batista, who's a little midget also. And uh, <laughs> I mean, these are all little people you're dealing they're with. They're all jockeys, dude. They're they're all you know little, little people. You know, so compared to me, they're very little people. But uh, so you, you watch him, and, and okay, yeah, he's moving the bike around pretty good. He's actually not just sitting on it. Yeah. And uh, when a guy sits on a bike and doesn't isn't very dynamic, it's very hard to set the bike up for him. You, you'll see it with Heron. He's kind of got one one position in the corner. Uh, Hayes is a little bit like that. He's got one position. Fong is kind of like that. He's got the body position, the position. You know. So if the position doesn't work in every corner, you got to modify the motorcycle. Ah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so what, you you now your team you've won four in a row, man. Like, <laughs> what do you think, man? What uh, like how how do you stay motivated to keep beating everybody up? Stay motivated. Yeah. What? <laughs> you feel like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the motivation, that's just something from within. You don't have to motivate yourself. Right. You know, I mean, when, when we go out, we get beat, and the bikes are faster, we work harder. Yeah. I, I don't like, you know, being beat. That's the motivation right there. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't embarrass easy. I don't I don't care. If we lose, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I just go back and work harder. I'm not in the corner crying or anything. A bunch of wussies. <laughs> You're you're uh, you're definitely not emotional about it. Win or lose, you're not emotional about it. But if you lose, you definitely are in the shop cracking the whip more. You know. Yeah. No, I think about it. If I'm driving the semi back, or I'm flying back. I'm thinking about it the whole time. What are we gonna do next? What are we gonna do next? I already got my priority list going. Yeah. I'm working on on Coda now. You know, trucks here, um, and we're we're gonna be dynoing. We're gonna be working working hard to see what we can do at Coda. I know it's going to be a challenge because, you know, number six was on pole in Moto2 there. Right. He's going to ride that track like Moto2 was yesterday, without a doubt. You know, he might he might be the fastest guy and gone. We don't know. We'll find out when we get there. Yeah. We're going to have to reach deep to be able to beat him there. I almost guarantee it. And I, <clears throat> I put that out there this year. I said uh, that he was going to be strong. And I remember Greg White telling me, ah, you might as well give Jake Donnie the the trophy now because the team, the new bike, the this and that, the BMW is not that good. I go, shut up. Yeah. Go, those, those guys, those guys are a good team. I mean, they have a good owner. Michael Kiley's a really, really great, great guy. But right. In the I've had with them. I mean, their, their crew over there is really good and the riders are really good. So, I mean, I don't know how you could say that they're not going to perform well. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that too. I mean, during the season though, I mean, Greg White, you know, and pretty much every chance he got, he was talking about how everybody's watching, everybody's, and he would mention every writer except Jake. Um, and I don't know if maybe that's him trying to keep the excitement up during the show or whatever, but I mean, it definitely seemed like nobody had picked Jake to win again, you know, because nobody picked him to win the first time he won either. And um, yeah, well, the, in, in 21, it was supposed to be. Man, now that Bobier is gone, it's going to be a free for all. Right. Okay. Jake has a record setting year. 
wins yeah. just about every race except the one where he, I don't know, fell down or broke or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then the next year, you know, oh man, it's, it, we'll see what he does against Baz. You know, Baz is superbike winner, world superbike winner. And okay. Yeah. Fizzled away. And then Petrucci comes and oh, he's a MotoGP winner. Okay. Well, that went till the end. That was the most exciting one, right? Right. You want until this year? Winner. Until this year, right? I and mean, I kept saying in 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 twenty two, yeah, in twenty two, I kept saying I think we were our own worst enemy. So we had to keep our nose clean to make sure the bike finishes every single race to make sure Jay keeps on two wheels. I mean, we broke a bike in half. We broke it. We broke a, We broke mechanically. You know, we had a a wire break at Coda. We couldn't start the race. I mean, all yeah. kinds of silly yeah. stuff happened. You know, crashes, a couple crashes, gave away some good points. So we had to go all the way till, till the end. And we wanted it at the end. Right. It right. seems like um, Cambodia had basically our luck last year, except he didn't win enough races to to recover from it. He didn't He didn't win every single race he raced. Like, you know, at, at uh, Barber, their, their bike wasn't that good. And uh, at this track, it didn't seem that good until morning warm-up. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal morning warm-up. Yeah. For the two races. He would have kept the championship alive until the next one. Right. But, you know, like I said, part of winning the championship is making sure that your bike finishes every single race. And, you know, you got to win. You can't win every, if you can't win every single battle, you still have to win the war. You know, you have to position yourself strategically so you can win the whole war. Right. That's what, that's what we did this year. So I got some comments. Um, and I'm, I'm going to get to, let's just blow through them, man. There's a bunch. Um, Go ahead. So Tendo Motorsports says, in your opinion, what's the most budget-friendly class to enter in Moto America? Budget-friendly. <sighs> budget-friendly. Well, you know what? With uh, I would say twins, but it's not. No, twins. twins it's it's like nuclear arms class. race class, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's budget at all. Yeah. yeah. I, and the junior thing, I mean, yeah, that's probably okay if you're a junior kid. But so probably the most budget friendly is going to be the Evo class, you know the not the Evo class, but the you know the uh, stock thousand. No, or, uh, I don't super think sport. So. Super sport because yeah. once you get past building the bike, yeah, I mean they have basically 900 cc bikes coming. You know the R6 is still the R6, but when Yamaha comes out with their bigger bike, that's going to be super sport legal. Um, I'm not sure when they're going to release it, but actually I know when they're going to release it. But I can't say. <laughs> I'm trying to be honest, I don't lie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, but anyway, when 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 they decide to bring out their 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 super sport, the next generation of super sport, they're all going to be dumbed down so much that I, I hear the Gixxer 750 lasts all season. Hmm. You know, the engines and same with that Ducati. So if you yeah, don't so have the engine, you, you know, uh, and you, all you got to do is buy some really budget electronics like camera with what it was is two grand or three grand for everything with a dash everything's super cheap you know it's plug and play stuff i think that's going to be the cheapest class to run perfectly honest with you the but the most expensive part of racing isn't the bike or it's the it's the crew and the travel right if you have a paid crew it costs a lot of money if you're not doubling up on rooms and and uh traveling cheap you know, driving to races and things like that, which you can't do in this country. I mean, UK, they talk about BSB like we've gone over before, like every track's within a few hours of each other. Right. If you do a European series, man, I mean, you go from Portimao to Jerez is three hours. Right. 
I mean, that's nothing that's like from here to Buttonwell or a little further. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like you doing your track day stuff. It's all around right. where you're at. That's the way there are, a lot of championships are over there. In this country, you got to drive for two days or you got to fly. Flights aren't cheap. Hotels aren't cheap. Rental you know, cars gas, aren't cheap. Gas, is, gas isn't cheap. But once you buy, buy the equipment and you don't crash up too much, you buy some body work and some sponsors, it's pretty easy. You know, we when we did the when we finished what third in the championship superbike in eighteen with Heron, it was myself, Walker, Will, and Fernando. That was the whole crew. I did the data, I did the crew chiefing. Uh, Fernando did the tires, and Will and Walker did the uh, did the chassis. And, and uh, let's not forget, you and Walker drove the truck. We drove the semi. I drove our semi at all the races, right? So, so I had to buy two airplane tickets for Will and Fernando. And they doubled up in a room and Walker and I doubled up in a room. Right. I mean, our outlay that year with the few sponsors we had was almost nothing. You yeah. Know, what Motor America paid back and all that. It's just that, but we have a little bit of an advantage. So we have a shop that we can build stuff. So, and that's the way we, I kind of started this whole, this whole gig. I, I did this, this talk to the corner workers and they said, you know, how'd you get your beginning and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, how, how, how is it you guys budget and blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, you know, when I, when I first started this thing, I remember I was, I was racing myself and I was helping Paul Harrell too, same time. Yeah. And I saw this ad in, 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 uh, cycle, uh, cycle world or, or American road racing, one of those things, you know, cycle news, cycle news, I think, the yeah, big newspaper thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, yeah, I said, you know, it had some, it had some used like, uh, uh, OW01 parts. And some of the OWL one parts moved over to the bikes we had, the YZF750 or whatever, right? So I, I, I called the number and it was actually Terry Vance answered. That's when he had that team. And he's, I was like, hey, how much you want for that linkage? He's like, oh, $800. I'm like, $800? Holy crap. I can make that in Bridgeport. So once I started getting an idea of how expensive the stuff was, we started just making our own stuff, you know, because it was cheaper. And, it, and, uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, you know, we talked about, we're going to do this thing with a moto spec deal, right? Right. So, uh, we do like a multi-part series of chassis dynamics. I yeah. Pretty interesting for all the gearheads, but we can talk yeah, about that later. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, since you're talking about it, yeah. Like let's preview that. I mean, basically we we've talked about it before and you did a screen share briefly with the moto spec, but, uh, we're going to do a, three-part nerd series where you know richard's gonna bust out the lab coat and yeah. um and the stethoscope and all that shit and then basically talk to us about um you know what it what what changes to the chassis how it affects the bike and spring grades and that kind of shit right yeah yeah so i'm thinking i, I talked to jeff who who writes writes that software and he, he does a lot of work on the on the on the back end of that thing i mean it's it's a pretty good program as far as and accurate because I've checked his work against CAD drawings and it's it's pretty good. If, they, if there's any errors in it, then I always get with them on it. But it's it's pretty good. We use it as the beginning as the beginning of our of our work. But it's not the only thing we use. But it's right. It is, uh, it is you know we design the design all our components in CAD and then we'll we'll take them and check some of it on his program and then we'll check it against the graphs we're getting in 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 uh morelli but well, i think uh, uh, you know i just kind of briefly looked at the site today i think that you could even uh put the different tires in there you know like yeah he's, he's he's built it up quite a bit since the beginning 
And uh, it's interesting, you know, the, the, I, I don't know for a fact this way it started, but it kind of makes sense in my head. So back in the, <laughs> back in the early 90s, when going back to the Terry Vance thing, Paul Harrell's riding the bike and, and I, I want to get a, I want to build a different linkage for it. And, you know, just buying a, a linkage from Terry or somebody else didn't make sense to me because he didn't really know it was like a secret. So built this Excel sheet from some systems analysis class I took way back in college. And it took an analyze the, the linkage rocker movement and the rising rate and the forces. And you all did the that in Excel. Excel. Yeah. Excel is very, very strong. Oh tool. my God. You're a nerd. <laughs> no, I mean, that's where, that's where I learned systems analysis was in Excel. Yeah. You know, back in, back in at Cal state Northridge, the, the, the very first system analysis class I took was had that one of the, we used all Excel formulas, you know, and we just other other programming as well. But anyway, yeah, it's pretty nerdy. It's not my thing really, but you know, yeah, when I want to be nerd. I, I go all full nerd. But uh, so anyway, um, I, I built this thing, and then uh, fast forward to 2001, uh, we, we got the Suzuki gig. Um, but we had Fred Moore and and um, I ended up hiring hiring Carl Carl Steyer. He's a Canadian, right? And so I showed him showed him what we did. And he's like, hey, man, can you give me that? I said, sure. I emailed it to him. And I think he got with Jeff because Jeff's Canadian. And he showed him what was what we were doing. And Jeff built him a new tool, which was a little bit more um, uh, comprehensive. And I have a feeling he just took took that. I wouldn't say it was my idea or anything like that because there was a number of other people doing it. There was another Canadian, I think, that was doing it. But I think he took a lot of that and just kept working on it, working on it, working on it, and made a pretty damn good tool now, you know, so it's not even worth re revisiting it or rebuilding it when you have re all the work that you've done. Rebuilding it in Excel. Well, I mean, one of the good things about it, I'm kind of making a commercial right here, which is not my intention, but um, he's, he measures up all the bikes. So if you want to work on a BMW and compare it to a Yamaha and things like that, all those chassis are all on his site. You can get them and put them in his tool and, and look at what's happening on that bike, this bike, that bike, you know, so the shop could use it, uh, your, your club race fees. But anyway, I'm going to explain what a lot of those cells mean and what some of the stuff, some of the equipment that you can change, like you get a linkage, what it means. You get uh, a triple clamp, how it changes stuff. You rake adjustment, you know, swing arm board, pivot. Yeah. yeah. Swing arm pivot, all that moving stuff. The, moving the axle forward, yeah. forward and back and the swing arm. Yeah. You know, changing the rake and how it affects the spring forces on the bike and and so there's a lot of stuff in there that, that I think maybe even the top, top guys don't really understand fully. And hmm. maybe I don't understand fully, but uh, we'll go over it. It makes me think a little harder about what we're talking about and uh, explain every, I think we maybe concentrate on the front. Like we'll first look at the overall like uh, interface and then like we did with a, with a kit ECU and then we'll yeah. concentrate on the front. Like we did EBTC. I can't remember how we broke it out, but you know, the full interface torque. They would do EBTC torque, something like that. So yeah. they will do front, rear, and then combination of all. So the dynamics. And tires. Try to do it. Try to do it in three parts. Man, it might take four parts. Chassis I mean, it's just time, right? And the off season is long, so. Yeah, well, you right? know, keep people, you know, the, the complete geekos, they'll keep, they'll switch in and. The geekos. People, the people that want me, want to hear me back on here and they'll. I wonder out. how many of the seven fans of ours are geekos. <laughs> Uh, 6.5. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had people come up at the track go, 
man, if you can do more technical stuff, I really dig that. Yeah. Like, That's cool, nerd. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nerd. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Tim, Tim says, you know, congrats to team Yamaha, although he is a Cam Bobier fan this year. Hey, um, you know what? I'm a Cam Bobier fan. Every dude, how could you not be? The dude's a beast, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you're um, evil. That's why you can't be a Cambodian fan because you're evil. <laughs> Who's evil? <laughs> Whoever's not a Cambodian fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Alex, I don't even want to try to pronounce this dude's last name, but uh, he wants to know if there's any plans of another Portimao wild card this year. Yeah, we're tossing that around. I don't. I, we don't have a solid on that yet. Um, it's, it's, I was well, I was hoping for like Argentina or something, man. No, Argentina got canceled. I know. Yeah, Jerez is the last one, but we're even talk, we're tossing around all kinds of ideas. But the problem is that Portimao is exactly the weekend after New Jersey. Yeah. So logistically, it's going to be a nightmare to load up all the stuff, ship it straight out of New York, make sure yeah. everything, everything is World Superbike spec. There's a few things that need are a little bit different. You know, some of the outputs and the logging and stuff the these would be just set up a little different. So do we, yeah. do we able to knock that out on a Sunday night, have somebody with a truck come and get our two crates that we tow in the truck out there? You know, I mean, it sounds like a nightmare, man. That yeah, sounds like I mean, a lot of sleepless nights and you worried about whether the shit actually makes it to shore. <laughs> yeah. So we'd have to ship out probably Monday, but it's a one day flight. Then have to clear customs over there. And the way that country works, you grease the right palms, it comes right out of customs. Right. So then it has to get trucked down. So every day, every one of those steps is day delayed. So it gets there on a, it ships out Monday, gets there on a Tuesday, you know, clears customs on Wednesday. And the guy, and the guys drive it down to the track for the, the trucks, take it down the track. I'll be there Wednesday, mm -hmm. getting awfully, awfully close to setup time. If, if anything happens, you're screwed. I, I'm going to go with another question that's later in the thing, just because it's so just, wow. Um, yeah. Walking Travel says, World Superbike will be a waste of money. Attack is way too slow. The new lap times from World Superbike are over one second faster than last year. It would be cool if Yamaha sent Attack to Europe for a year and gave Moto America a chance for someone else to win. <laughs> okay i think uh, which part of it do you want me to answer that sounds like uh, a statement not a question i you know i'm just throwing it out there man you know ron burgundy over here right yeah <laughs> uh we know why we were slow last year right it was all it was all about the braking performance yeah and we've made we've made a lot of improvement in that area this year and uh as I showed you, I, I didn't show you top racks and Locatelli's data, but we were right there with on speed with those guys up, up until the braking zones. And so the the problem back then was that we didn't spend a lot of time with the front Pirelli, and then you can break really really hard with the front front Pirelli, and and the new Dunlop is closer to the front Pirelli as far as braking performance, but still doesn't have the cornering performance that yeah that the World Superbike Pirelli does. You know, the lap times are actually in my opinion, for as hard as we work, we're probably a bit slower this year than last year because they, the tires don't have that wow uh, initially. You know, they've made the tires where they don't drop as quickly. 
and a little more consistent throughout the race. That's what I think we've been able to get, but they're slower overall, in my opinion. So, I mean, the guy could be right. You know, we, we need more time in the Pirellis to get there. I think Jake has shown in the past he could run with those guys. He was, uh, I think he got in the top 10, didn't he, in World Superbike? Yeah. In the past on the Honda, which was, yeah. which was definitely, I know that they're going a lot faster. I mean, obviously, Batista's just gone. But the Yamahas are basically the same. They're not that much faster. Uh, the lap times are coming down because the, the tires keep developing. That's usually what does it. Suspension keeps developing. Right. So I think, I think we've done a pretty good job of developing our motorcycles over the winter. Obviously, we won a championship with two, two uh, full events to, to go. So I think we're pretty consistent. You know, we're, we're a nuisance uh, to everyone. And, um, and that's the way you win championships. You put a lot of pressure on the guys and they make mistakes. Right. They make decisions they should probably should not be making when it comes to chassis and things like that instead of blazing their path. And we've been guilty of that. You go out and you go, oh, man, those guys are so fast. And you try to build something better. And sometimes it doesn't work. So we've, 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 uh, we've gone down our road. And, and uh, obviously, the Omaha is still pretty good. You know, keeps winning championships. Uh, what, was, what was the other part of the statement uh, other than we stopped? <laughs> Yeah, uh, basically, it would be cool if Yamaha sent you guys to Europe for a year and gave Moto America a chance for somebody else to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, did win a little bit this year, right? Like, this guy doesn't understand reality, first of all. I mean, Yamaha is, we race Yamaha here in the U.S. with Yamaha U.S. for a reason, because they want to win U.S. championships. Right. You know, so I don't know where yeah. he gets an idea, but. The internet. Yeah. Dreamer. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I love shitting on people like that. Um, and I, should yeah, I say that? Was, that was nice yeah, I know. I know. But that was enough to shit on him, basically. Okay. Um, I'm an idiot. Right. Okay. So Tyndall Motorsports says, is there anything you would do differently if you started attack performance again? Not go racing? <laughs> not start a tech performance <laughs> wow okay i don't know um salvador 25 asks if jd is staying on for the last two rounds it's up to yamaha right yeah tba yeah i mean hayes did a really good job jd did a really good job I mean, both guys are pretty competitive. For limited I think they should time. Rochambeau for it. <laughs> okay. No? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, my, my only suggestion to them was uh, let's keep one guy on for both rounds so they have a chance of improving themselves over the next – because it's kind of – I mean, it's, it's tough on a rider just to throw them in there uh, straight away and uh, make them do their thing. You know, for the other guy, too uh, – that was talking about talking crap about us going to World Superbike. Yeah. Um, can we talk crap about all the World Superbike guys who come here and got their asses handed to them? I mean, Petrucci, Laura Baz, Zanetti. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, all these World Superbike guys. Canapa came here. I mean, he's a nice guy, really nice guy. But he's a he's a you know was an endurance world champion. I mean, he's a top top level rider. I mean, can't finish mid pack. So I mean, it's really. It's really easy to sit there and bench race and talk a bunch of crap because you're brave over the keyboard, you know, but it's a whole nother game to load up all your stuff and go there and face the world on their home track. It's a whole right. other situation. 
So yeah, yeah, it's really easy to say no. I'm too, I'm too scared, or I'm too this, I'm too that, and not go. Yeah, and right. One of the things to say, screw it. I'm going to go learn something. I'm going to make myself better. You know what we did yeah. learn is when we went to World Superbike, we got to sit down with Massimo and some of those other guys from the Yamaha uh, team, the World Superbike team, and share information and and get a lot of tips and tricks and things like that over the new software. And we took that over the winter and kept working on it. You know, so I think it would have been harder for us to win a championship or maybe not if we didn't have the amount of information and, and the amount of work we did over the winter. It made right. us a lot more consistent, you know, throughout the race. You see at, uh, I mean, for example, at uh, at uh, PRC, you know, Jake wasn't a bullet straight out of the gate. You know, he rolled into it and didn't lose. And then he kept pulling away from those guys. And those guys were slowing down, spinning. I mean, you saw Heron's bike spinning and sliding and and losing lap times every lap. And then the same thing goes with BMW, except for PJ, for whatever reason, seemed to get it right in race two. Uh, yeah. Hung on, hung on for dear life. He couldn't do anything. He was riding the wheels off that thing. Yeah. I don't think he could make a pass. or put PJ's in. had a good season, man. I really like that yeah. guy. I, well, he was coming on strong then the last season too, right? Yeah. But yeah. I had a feeling he was going to be strong. I think he'll be strong next year too. I think I think everybody's going to be stronger. I think we're going to have to work a lot harder. To be perfectly honest yeah. with you. I'm not going to go away going, wow, check it out. We won another championship. We're so good. No, no, we have to work. You know, I mean, they, like we talked earlier about an off season, right? But like, you don't really get an off season, do you? I don't have an off season. (laughs) If you want to have an on season, you don't have an off season. Right. Everybody else can sit on their ass. Like during COVID days, you know, I think a lot of people sat on their ass. Yeah. We went to work. We went to work. We stayed at work. Yeah, you did. Everyone in 2020, right? Yeah, we yeah. Just won to do that season, the championship. You know, but that's 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 what you need to do. So, so, yeah. so I mean, turnabout's fair play. If those guys want to come here and race in our series with our tires and our tracks, then they're welcome to it too. Let's see how it happens. I think they'd they'd, they'd be shocked. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, come on, Bautista, bring it on, buddy. Oh, I'd love to see Bautista here. I think it, that'd be fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be cool. I think he'd win. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's that good. I think Top Rack could win here too. I think he's that good. But it'd be interesting. I don't think it'd be a runaway. Right. I don't think two guys would be running away from the rest of the pack. I don't think that'd be the case at all. But that's that's a pipe dream too, just like your guy saying we should go to Europe and race the season there. So that way for a year US is gonna is gonna pay for and the riders and us to go to Europe and race a season there instead of here. So to win. give somebody else a, t- a chance to win in the U.S. Oh yeah, that's that's realistic. <laughs> oh that man, a, that guy's a CEO, a big company, isn't he? He's a good wow. planner. Wow. You know, let me make him part of my planning committee. Wow. <laughs> what a dork. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so uh, FS F F one Sport. Yeah. Um, says that you talk about front brake pressure a lot. Yeah. And yeah. how how much brake pressure measured are you guys applying on average in a turn? In a turn? Like entering a turn, I guess. Entering a turn. Ah, it depends on the corner. <clears throat> so oh, you mean you, you don't you don't go to like seventeen bar for every corner? Like Well, first of all, it depends on the calipers you're using and the master cylinder you're using. Okay mainly the calipers and pads. So we, we, we changed calipers about, I don't know, a few races into the season. And we got the new, the newest World Superbike calipers. 
because they finally became available from Brembo. They were scared to bring them to the U.S. because they thought we're a bunch of amateurs here. Amateurs here and didn't know how to use calipers, something like that. So after we went to World, that was another thing we, we gained from going to World Superbike. I got a chance to sit down with Franco and, you know, he had a chance to look at our bikes and realize that we're not a bunch of yokels from the U.S. And he was able to actually release the calipers so we can actually get them. So the new calipers have what they call a booster. So they have an angled ramp on them. And hmm. that angled ramp actually is like power brakes. So when you, when you touch the brakes, it's like 11 degree ramp and it actually smashes the pads together up at the top and puts more force. So what used to be 13 bar could be like 20, the equivalent of 20 bar now. Oh, so wow. if our guys are getting a 13 bar, they're really pulling the crap out of it. You know what I mean? On that booster. Yeah. Set. So you can see, you can see 10 bar and things like that. But if you go race a super sport bike, you could probably put a lot more pressure in there because the pads are small, the calipers are small, the rotors are small. You have to squeeze the shit out of them to, to get them to stop. So it isn't always about how much pressure you put in there. It's how much friction you get out of that pressure against the rotors. Okay. And how much the tire can handle in that particular situation. Some, some, some tracks you could apply really, braking really hard and some tracks you, you can't. Depends on how much grip you can make with the front tire. So, uh, and then, and then there's, you know, like Coda turn one, it's up against a, it's up against a face and you can, you can literally bury any fork you want against the bump stops. I mean, any spring rate, you know, we're, we're like 11, 11, five or something. And JD's bottoming the fork going up into that face of that thing. JD is, yeah. I don't have a front brake where I normally race, you know? Yeah. So he's smashing that thing enough and like really pretty good amount of brake pressure going up into that face. And why can you do that? Because you're up against the face of a hill and you can slam the crap out of it and you have all the forces of friction in your, in, in your favor. So the, the next question I have is going to lead us into what we were talking about earlier about the chicane. But um, let's see here. What's his name? Let me get that. Okay, yeah, John White says, considering Cam Bobier's incident and other guys taking big risks, does the chicane make pit safer? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, that that chicane has a, has a tendency to as a choke point anyway. Right. And people are trying to. I mean, riders are riders. They're going to try to use that as an opportunity to pass. Yeah. But it's it, it forces somebody either jump the curb or go in the grass. So is yeah. it safer? I don't know. It's a, it's know. certainly slower. Yeah. It's about a second and a half. Really? Second and yeah. a half. About. Now, like, uh, before we started the show, like, you had, you had, you want to see the data? Because we could compare Jake from last year to Jake this year in the chicane area, right? Yeah, in qualifying, right? Jake did a yeah. 40 point or a 40.4 or something like that. Last year. Like a 42.2, you know, 1.8 difference or something of that nature. And uh, and then we could equate it to two things. One, uh, the drive grip on the tires is not the same as last year. And then two, so that, so we lose a little bit of time there. And then two, the chicane is just that much slower. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I can I can share some screens if you want and show you some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see here. Let's let's have our little nerd segment. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Instead of calling that one guy an idiot, we can talk about chicanes and stuff. Wow. Uh, whatever you guys say stupid stuff you get called out uh yeah I, I you know so do you see it 
I do now. All right, I'm kind of moving around here so I can make sure to see it. Okay, so this is the track, PIRC, right? There's a start finish. Yeah. And then right here is a chicane. Right. So this, this is a GPS trace of, of Jake's line in qualifying this year. And that's okay. a GPS trace of Jake's line, that red line. Man, it's, it's way in there back. now. So it's that's way 40, in there. Yeah, so that's a 42.2 time to a 41.4 time. So you can see that it, it's a much harder right, much harder left, and it points you off to the grass more. Hmm. And then this corner here, because this, because of this vector you're taking, you're asking a lot more for the tires to change direction and continue the turn. So it's a long, not only slowing down a lot and you're spending a lot of time changing direction, but your recovery from the slower speed is much longer. So even though it looks like, oh, it's only like changes chicane by a little bit, it's actually about a second and a half. So and if you go through and you and you, we click on here, you see the red and the and the blue X's. Yes. Those are the two bikes relative to each other. Okay. So you can kind of see this is Jake versus Jake. So you can see the blue, the blue whatever you call it, the turquoise looking thing. You know, uh, that's Jake this year. So he was actually much better on the brakes and speed getting in there. And then, so you kind of click around the racetrack and kind of see where he was. Like for instance. Right there, you can see he's got a little bit of a gap on himself. To get right. And then you kind of keep going around the racetrack and see that paid yeah. off in dividends here. And then you kind of get into here. And you can go, wow, he's really stronger. He's like gapping himself. Yeah, up over the hill, the wheelie hill and all that, right? Yeah. So if you work your way around, you can, you can see where he's made some time. Still made time on himself there. They always bunch up a little bit because the thing gets slower. And this is all based on positioning, track positioning. You know, so this is pretty realistic. Yeah. And then uh, you can see where he's ahead of himself still. I mean, that's a 42.2 versus a 40.4. So that was a pretty pretty incredible lap time that last year. And so you can see around here. Then you get over to here, and look, the red the red's got a little closer. And why is that? Because the drive off of this corner here. Let me move this thing. Cause my view is very obscured. The drive off of here isn't as good because that, that Dunlop just isn't offering the same drive grip that we had last year with the same compound tire. They're both 129 compound, but the R3 is a 129 compound, and the tire we had last year, we just called it a 129. Okay. We didn't have a you know a slang name for it, R3 or whatever. So that that 129 last year just applied the 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 applied the friction just a little bit different so it was able to run off that corner a little better so what he gained coming into here you know this distance yeah he lost by time getting getting out of this guy and then right. so then you, then you get back into here and he's opened he's up the gap again he, he's better on the brakes than last year because that's something we we're working on the new calipers new front geometry new new front springs and damping and all that stuff gave him the confidence to break a little harder that's the kind of stuff we were working at as far as what we learned from Portimao. Right. So going to Portimao and, and, and finishing mid pack or whatever had, had its pluses, you know? So I take, I take all that stuff and I, as a lesson, you know, we always learn a lesson from that. And uh, so then you kind of see here, he's actually faster than himself from last year. Again, only doing the lap time that he did, which is a 42, two. So you get through all this, he's kind of maintaining his gap. 
And then here, he I think he loses just a little bit. I think on this right-hander here. No, I was it was the left-hander here, if I remember right from that. And again, oh man, that grip on the, the drive side. grip. Okay. Yeah, the side grip. You just couldn't get that same kind of drive. This isn't breaking zone. This isn't changing direction. This is like you need a lot of grip coming through here. And you just couldn't give it the same amount of throttle coming through here as you did the year before. And then once you get to the once you get to the to the chicane, you can see they're almost even Steven, right? Yeah. So look what happens. Oh wow. That bike's it's almost like, like going straight, like cutting yeah. the chicane. Okay. And look at that. And then the drive off the drive off the chicane. <laughs> You know, that's how much that's you know, a lot, you're, man. Well, you're stopped here and you're trying to get acceleration with a tire doesn't have a shitload of grip. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're trying yeah. to accelerate all through this thing. Look at the gap. For a wow. guy that was trailing, if you can cut that chicane, that's why cutting the chicane is actually worth some time if a guy did it properly. Okay. But that's why they put in that that rule, hey, you have to lose a second. Yeah, because it's worth about a second and change. Well, no, really. you have to lose a second slower than your whatever your average of the last three laps or whatever it was right right so if your split was like that so you kind of see where you end up and that's why you end up with see that yeah and again this corner here is all edge grip and we were suffering more on edge grip and everywhere we've gone the tire just hasn't had that same wow or the same grip as that one two nights last year it is pretty consistent though and I think the front is a little bit better. And uh, so then we can go, I can show you another screen. Yeah. The squiggly so, line screen. Yeah, there's too many squiggly lines on this one. Let me go to another one. <laughs> this is a rider screen. This kind of stuff we show them. Go, hey, you've been a bad boy. Check this out. So this, again, these are the splits. So these are the sectors. So it just tells us, you know, what our sector splits were. It does it the same as Motor America's uh, timing and scoring, because we we uh, record whenever we go over a sector, we record what beacon number that is and what how much time we spent in it. And we right. show all the data here. So he was like 41.7 versus a 41.4 in the first split. So that he lost three tenths. And a lot of that was in that edge grip that I was telling you about. Yeah. What's going on with my track map here? It didn't refresh. So, uh, and then um, let me try to refresh the track map. No, it doesn't want to go. Huh? Anyway, whatever. So, your software is always getting buggy when it's when we're live. Yeah, it's made in Italy. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah, I just brought this up manually. You see it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, that that time was lost on that sector in this area. So right about here, driving off that corner. Man. And then in sector two, you can see they're identical. 3425. That's through all the S's. All the way to here. And then sector three, look at that. 2615 versus 2475. All in that wow. chicane drive off that last corner. So between between um the new not so wow Dunlop rear and um the chicane we lost quite a bit of time but we we're able to make up a, a lot on the brakes this year so we we're able to actually improve on if we we're like the same braking this year i think we would have got hammered yeah 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 i think we would have got hammered 
anyway, so there's your, you want to see any more nerdy crap? No, I think, I, I think that's exactly what we were talking about. And I think it answers dude's question on whether he, I mean, it's hard to say whether the chicane is safer. It certainly slowed things down. Um, uh, seems like there's I, more incidents now though. I don't know. Somebody rode up another person's motorcycle in the chicane. So uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that could happen anywhere. True. I mean, any kind of mechanical failure that could happen, right? Yeah. So especially in the, in the heat of battle or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's any better than last year. You know, I'm not really into false curving and, and, and chicanes. I never liked the one at Fontana where you, you know, you went to the infield. Right. And it, you know, I always thought, man, if you jump curving there, it'd be really nasty. I remember seeing Matt Malad jump curving there and just about eat shit, you know, the thing head shaking all the way into the next corner. So it's, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know I, I, until something bad happens, I guess you don't know what could happen. Right. No, it seemed like the guys were pointing at the grass pretty damn, pretty damn fast. Yeah. And the grass was wet. Yeah, and the no grass gravel. being wet well, didn't help. No, there's no gravel traps there, so there's nothing's going to slow the bike down. You get in that grass, it's slippery and kind of muddy. And but what I hear, if you chewed up the grass, the owner of that place is going to charge you for it. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah, there's some drama going on there. Okay. <laughs> Care to <laughs> talk about it or no? Uh, apparently, I guess the trucks weren't supposed to park on the grass because it rained. It was like a last-minute memo. But like all last-minute memos and emails, it's hard to see it if, if you're driving a truck. Right. You're parking in the middle of the night. So I think some guys parked where they shouldn't park. And the grass got torn up. And so the owner's pissed something or another. Was the owner handing out one-way conversations? Oh, yeah. Good times. <laughs> What a way to start the weekend. That's all I got to tell you. <laughs> all right. So um, John White says, is he old school in that at some tracks, you know, you can't crash there? Is that is that what it is? No, I don't think so. I think okay. you I think I think it's a pretty safe racetrack. Just that chicane's a little funky. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Tim P is we were talking about the electronics earlier and he said that the Jixer electronics are like 10 grand and you got to get them because you got to buy the throttle bodies and shit through uh team hammer. Sorry. Don't yeah. Get a yeah. Don't get a Jixer. I think actually, I think our another. fan, uh, I think bearded Jixer is commenting in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the Okay, it's, you don't you spend ten grand on throttle body, you never have to rebuild your engine. So trade right. off. Yeah, it works out, right? I mean, the math yeah, anyway. The same engine all season. Okay, so uh, Knudsen says that um, he think as far as like cost, he says that HSBK built a V two for like fifty grand for Boat America spec next gen spec Ducati. That's about what they cost. That's what a bike costs these days. Yeah. You know, by the time you get the electronics and the dash and, and the wheels and, you know, uh, not wheels necessarily, but uh, sprockets and chains and an engine build and electronics and, you know, all that stuff, um, forks and shocks, and you add it all up. It's going to be with the motorcycle. It's going to be about like that. And there's a bunch of comments from uh, walking travel. I'm going to, um, I'll get to all of yeah, them. I think we're doing, well, I think the R6s, we're doing them for, what were we doing for? 40? 40, 40 and change. 30, and then, and then with the Daytona that. shit, it was like 10 grand more. 50 with all the quick change stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a Daytona bike for 50. 
And I think we still have one of those things. And uh, the other ones, we sold out of all of them, but we were doing them for like 38 or 39. And that was with all Thai, Thai acro pipe. And yeah, the best, the best old ones for kids, the best old ones shock and, and, and everything you could possibly do the thing. Good master cylinder lines, blah, blah, blah. So it was like I said, everything top shelf was something like that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Nolan Lampkin says a video series about moto moto spec would be sick. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I we'll, we're going to be right on that, Nolan. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be informative to people that don't. I think I'll try to keep it fairly basic, but you got to get it. It's it's a pretty it's pretty complex uh, ideas ideas you know with forces and pressures and you know, all this kind of stuff, partial pressures and forks and, 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 and linkages. And so there's a lot of mechanics and, and, and thermodynamics and crap going on in there, you know? So, um, I think it'll be interesting for the most part to try to dumb that down enough to where it's, 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 uh, you know, people can understand it. I think it's a good tool and it's something that I think they can do in steps and then take more advantage of it as they go online and learn a little bit of physics. So let's see here. 848 Evo says there's no better way to learn than listening to the Superbike Genius. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure some physicist is like rolling this ground wow. listening to me talk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then uh, let's see here. Man, like that dude is the walking travel guy. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to skip those. Oh, uh Bearded Jixer says it'll be interesting to see Chavi in Superbike next year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is he going to be in Superbike? I mean, that's the word on the street is uh, they're going to have two Superbikes next year over there. I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, you have you have Heron was talking something like, I, ho- I wish they really, I hope they keep me on this thing for next year. Something to that effect, Right. Right. And then, you know, the inside scoop, uh, I don't know if there's an inside scoop, any, any kind of like scuttlebutt, whatever you call it. Um, Chavi's getting a little up there in age too, right? Yeah. But he's a, he's a really nice guy. And he seems pretty, I mean, if you don't, if you didn't look at his age or anything else like that, I look at the guy and I go, there's a guy that, that goes good world through bike. We just put him on a bike and he comes here and he's going pretty good. Now he knows all the tracks. So he doesn't have to learn all the tracks, right? Or he's the tires, the, right? Or the tires. He's already done a year and, and on, on the same front tire, just a little bit different rear tire. He has to apply that to motorcycles. He's, he's ridden many times a world sewer bike. And he's done BSB and he's ridden all those stupid tracks. And so, <laughs> I mean, they're just, they're just dumb as our tracks, you know? Right. So that's special going on there. And, right. uh, He's, he's ridden the best tracks in the world. He's ridden the worst, worst tracks in the world. So I think, I think he'd be a, a natural fit to put on a super bike here. I just don't yeah. know if the opportunity is going to be there for him or not. All right. That's fair. Okay. Yeah, um, Proto, Proto wants to know, well, actually, buy a jet from Steve Main says, congrats, well-earned championship. And then Proto says, does Yamaha talk to attack about the future of the R1? Are there any hybrids coming? Do they talk to us? Mm, only as much as we need to know. Right. Yeah. Hybrids. I don't know what I mean by hybrid. 
I, I don't I don't know what that means either. Dude, you know you know how this stuff works. I can't go over and say anything I know because they'd fire me. Right. You know, it's the way it works. But people ask, and that's you they know keep asking, and they make right. like these silly diagrams on the websites about how the bike's supposed to look. Okay, here's a good one. Uh, Mike C wants to know uh, who would you consider a bigger threat in 2024. Cam Bobier on the BMW or Chavi on the Ducati? That's a tough one. I'd have to give it to Cam. Yeah. It'd be a good fight. Yeah. You know, I think it'll, make, it'll make things interesting for sure. You, I'm not going to give you the, the politically correct answer and say it would be Jake Gagne on the Yamaha. That wasn't the question, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, so the question was Cam Bobier or Chavi Forrest. Is the biggest threat. I think that's going to be interesting. I think I think they'd both really be fast. Yeah, that's cool. That's fair. Yeah. And then Proto wants to know what's the difference between your electronics and the Ducati electronic settings because you guys both kind of use Morelli, right? Well, other than the other than the the hardware is the same. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Marshall would be able to answer that, but uh, the Ducati is. Uh, as far as I know, it has a lot of closed loop stuff that we don't have. Mm. Basically like self-learning. Oh. So um, that's what I heard from the Morelli guy as far as how the software works. But Marshall worked with it on the satellite level. I'm not sure what HSBK has. It has because they have a number of uh, they had a, they had a couple different electronics guys from Italy. So I think they're probably privy to something more open than what maybe Kyle Wyman had that Marshall worked with. But uh, I know that there's they've had closed loop or open uh, closed loop mapping just like uh, from MotoGP before the MotoGP went to the uh, the unified software, which we don't have. You know, we we sit there and we peck away at the TC tables and this and that. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if that's still the case, and I don't know anything about what they got going on honestly. But I think it's pretty advanced. So this question's from Instagram. This is Pinky. Actually, I think he's a commenter here on the show tonight. Um, His question before the show, this is how like the dude switched on with what's going on with the show. Um, He says, during the 2000s era, Maladin, Duhamel, Yates, Spees, they were tough to ride against. However, Maladin was known as the, quote, bully. Um, He used intimidation to win against others on and off track. As discussed before, this generation of riders are not mentally tough as, as before. How do you think a bully rider might improve today's in, uh, generation of riders? I'm a bully tuner. <laughs> I'm trying to improve the paddock by bullying everyone. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I don't know. Matt Maladin used to, I, I, I hear rumor that I, mean, I think it's true, but he used to get like, naked pics of Spee's girlfriend to slide underneath his door or something. Like that. I mean, he, just, he played all kinds of psych games. The dude was like PSYOP 101. Oh, they hated each other. Yeah, have you ever heard a, a, a most recent Spee's like, interview? He talks about He still talks about Matt Malad, and He really got into Spee's head. But yeah. I think it motivated him more. I mean, the dude hasn't raced in a decade, and he still has that dude's... I remember, I remember uh, talking to a guy that drove uh, Matt Maladin's motorhome, another Aussie, 
And I said, I said, you're, you're buddies with, I said, you're friends with, with Matt. That was a question about something or another. And he goes, mate, Matt has no friends. <laughs> I mean, right. just the way Matt was a super, super, I don't know how to word it, competitive guy. You know, it was, it was, it was, he was driven. And, but I mean, Pridmore is really good friends with him. He's always really nice to me too, you know, so I always got along with him just fine. Wow, so man. I've never had anything bad to say about him, but a lot of people did not like him. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like I'm reading, I'm reading comments and uh, there's a guy that says that you do have that fuck around and find out look and that yeah. he's, he's actually never had the nerve to say hello in the pits. <laughs> You know, up until up until I started, that's that's about right. That that used to happen all the time. The last couple of decades of this this crap. Right. I know. Before, I've been friends with you for twenty years, man. I I know yeah, all about it. Previous occupation, same thing. But yeah, the uh, until we started doing this show, people thought I was probably unapproachable. Yeah, that's because I'm almost focused on the racetrack. I really don't like going out. Like I don't like having lunch. You're not there. the mayor. No, I'm not Chuck Chiaquetto. I don't shake yeah. everybody's hand. I don't invite Like him I said, the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he can go and he can do all that glad handing stuff. I call him the glad hander. Okay. That's not, not my thing. You know, I'm terrible at getting sponsors and, and, and you know, blowing sunshine up everybody's skirt and telling them how good they are. It's right. Like, you know, I, I, I like to stick and stay in the truck and hide and, and uh, work on my stuff and try to make it better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't come around and don't talk to me, please. <laughs> wow, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you start doing the show. People are like, oh, hey, he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> All right. So we we've talked about uh, we talked about Campy. There's some a bunch of questions about him, um, and I was kind of saving all uh, all of our uh, the guy that we shit on earlier. Like he has a bunch of shit, and I'm just gonna okay. go. I'm just gonna go. Yeah, I'm going to go through it because, um, wow, bro. Um, let's see here. Man, he's, dude, he's, there's so many, so many comments I'm hit. Okay, so let's see here. He says he's in Thailand. Um, okay. Says uh, Europeans, what, what, what can't, he... Europeans can't get used to American-style tracks, small, slow tracks with bumps. Um, yeah, Thailand's got no bumps. <laughs> Europeans are used to perfect tracks with high grip. That's what he says. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, so this tire is making that much of a difference. And then he says, can they replace Cam Peterson with someone who is more reliable? Wow. They can replace him with anybody they want. Right. He says, don't read his comments because you won't like it. I don't think we're scared of asking your, I mean, it's your comments, yeah, dude. Whatever. And, um, we're not, oh, we're not he's like him. And then there was, um, there was a question about who's the richest team in the paddock or something. So I'm looking for that. Oh yeah. He says, is attack the richest team in motor America? <laughs> the guys should do stand up comedy. I know. Right. <laughs> That's why like, we made have no idea. He has no clue. Right. We're probably right. best. We probably have the most experience of anyone in the paddock, and that's what makes the shit go. And then we're able to, like I was saying, we're able to build everything in house, so we don't have to spend a bunch of money on product. And you know, I drive the semi sometimes. Walker drives the semi. We're also the guys that build the bikes. 
So we're far from the richest team in the paddock. Dude, if you were the richest team in the paddock, would you spend so much work building all your own shit? Would you just buy it? <laughs> yeah, I just, I just need to buy it. Wow. But but that's how we're able to do it for the price tag we can do it for. That's the only way. Right. Otherwise, we we couldn't do all the stuff we would we could do. You know, if we had to buy everything, we could yeah. afford it. So that's that's why we're able to do what we, we can do. We're not the richest team in the paddock. Who's the richest team in the paddock? I don't know. I don't um, know. They just there, BK guys or FS1 F F1S Sport says uh it Titler's is probably the richest. He's got some money for sure. Yeah. Mean, the guy was he's got his hands in everything. But that uh, Ducati Westby's, team is Yeah, Westby's got his own foundation. Yep. Um you know, if Tim Essenson joined the paddock, he'd probably be up there with, with the billionaire crowd, you know? Right. The hundreds of millions of crowd. I think he's probably in the billions. I don't know. But that's the guy who sponsors, sponsors the 19. He yeah. Didn't give him that kind of money. And uh, the 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 guys, uh, Ducati New York, those guys are worth, worth some dough. So I don't know. I think we're probably the, out of, the, out of that group, we're the poorest, without right. a doubt. Yeah, I don't have I don't have nearly the kind of money those guys have without a doubt. And Yamaha is not spending that kind of money. Right, right. They have, they have a super cross program and, and a very, very expensive rider. Uh, yeah, uh, Cody Crager says the Harley team is probably the richest. <laughs> it's, it's true. Cody Jixer says he thinks I'm the richest. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cake you eat, you used to eat, was the richest. Oh man, nah. <laughs> wow. I think, I think the ice cream we have after every weekend is, is pretty rich. The the, the cookies. I was the a cookies, cookies guy, yeah. for sure. Not so much anymore. Got to do like a hundred dollar tomorrow. Reception is everything, I guess, huh? Yeah, I guess. Well, you guys win everything, and you guys have that beautiful blue semi, and the, all these guys, you know. Yeah, uh, all eight of us wearing the same shirts. Yeah. We couldn't yeah, afford but... different shirts. We all wear the same ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys just get one shirt. Like, yeah, we, and you wash every sink and we'll pass it along the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> we wash them in the sink yeah. at home. <laughs> yeah, that. So, yeah, Cody's right, man. I think uh, even though it's not Superbike, I think those Harley team and the Indian team are. They're probably the richest teams in the past. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they spend the same kind of budget as any of the Superbike teams. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what how much money they're spending. I know that um, the, uh, the the testing at Coda was ninety thousand dollars for two days, and so we divided it up by X amount of teams. But then the the Indian guys absorbed probably double that, you know, right? And double their portion because two of their guys I guess didn't show or didn't come or whatever. Yeah. So they they spent quite a bit of money just to go there for two days, and but you know what? Their guys rode the whole time or most right. of the time, you know? Yeah. The hooligan, the 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 the, yeah. uh, the the baggers, and all that, whatever else. Yeah, I, yeah. I was I was doing your uh, remote timing shit, and I was watching, and they were they were doing a lot of laps. You know. Yeah. McWilliams and uh, Tyler O'Hara, they were burning laps at that test. I mean, they have Al Luddington there, and he told me that he got a decent. He didn't tell me how much, but he said he was pretty pretty satisfied with his, with the salary and. Structure that he had, and when I was talking to him, so I, I think they're I think they're spending some money. So, 
I'm getting more funny comments. So Knutson says, uh, you know, you were talking about reusing the shirts and you just have one and you just hand it down to the next guy. Yeah, for the, for the photos. Yeah. yeah, so he goes, uh, is that how I he got his World Superbike shirt? <laughs> yeah, it was mine. I used it all weekend. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you have <laughs> actual the, Richard Sweat off. in there. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got the stains off really good, too. That, yeah, that, dude. That, that stain remover works great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just shouted it out, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. In Portugal, we stopped and cleaned it off in the river over there next to the restaurant. So Pinky says, "How would you rate JD's performance this past weekend?" I'd say B. A B. Wow, yeah. you're so tough. Yeah, he didn't win. Well, there's that. Okay. I mean, come on. I people mean, say, oh, people say stuff like. Oh, she's a 10. I go, no, there's no such thing. You know, I go, she's probably a nine. A 10 would be a girl that you would like sell your house, sell your car, and just give up your life to be with. That's a 10. Wow. No such thing. <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe there is somewhere. <laughs> um, Stephen Pettinger says, even if he never gets to say so in the pits, Sweet dreams, West Coasters. Chicago is calling it a night. Um, all right. Okay. Peace out, brother. And yeah. then uh, Proto asks, can we get more shirts? Should we make more shirts? Uh, sure, whatever. I mean, I, I should have some t-shirts. Maybe some t-shirts, huh? We should do t-shirts, yeah. yeah we are supposed to make hats, but I never, I did, it took me forever to get that block thing to, to make us hats. Yeah. All right. Next All question. Right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I think we're good, dude. I think. Oh, are you guys gonna do Daytona next year? Don't know. They they uh, they they're gonna homologate a new cylinder to the R six. Okay. And it's supposed to be a uh, CNC machine head from YME. That's gonna okay. be the only head you can use, along with electronics. Okay. So I'm just going to have to get my head around what all that means and, and how it performs and how it's going to, I mean, it just seems like the balancing thing, the way they went about it at first, I, you know, I said, I was always a proponent of let's make it world super, super sport rules completely. That way they're doing all the heavy lifting on balancing. We're not trying to figure it out here in the United States. And then they allow the Jixxer 750 with a, with a $10,000 electronics package or whatever it is, right? With a right. wired bottle on. Because Suzuki doesn't have a world super sport bike. And so now all the balancing became all weird. And I mean, it's gl I'm glad that there's there's more, they're being more inclusive and they're allowing all these bikes, but it just didn't fit the pattern of what the Europeans are doing. So now our balancing is different than world super sport. So that means there's going to be, let's face it, Motor America Tech is is small compared to what FIM has. And for them to balance things out is gonna take a lot more effort. And they have baggers to deal with, and they have super bikes to deal with, and they have super sport, and they have twins, and they have junior cup and, and hooligans, and all this stuff they're having to deal with. And I think they're kind of shorthanded to be doing real technical work. It'd been a lot easier for them if they just went the world super sport route. But then that would have, you know, then the Suzuki GSX R750 would have had to been homologated in world super sport which is going to be a tall order, you know? Right. So I, I don't know what they're, to make a long story short, they keep playing around with the, with the taking power away, giving power back, taking power away. It's like one weekend, the R6 is fast. Next weekend, the R6 is slow. 
Next weekend, the R6 is fast. They gave him a cylinder head, and they gave Jixxer's power back. It's just, it's kind of a mess. Yeah. You know, there's no consistency. That's one thing I don't like about balancing rules. There's no consistency. So nobody can actually work on on what's what's their strong point. Like, right. we know where our strong points are with our superbike, so we keep working on that, and we try to improve the other areas where we're weak. Where we're weak. And uh, you can't do that in super sport. It's always changing. Yeah, it's like a you know, so the goalpost keeps moving, you know. Yeah, the goalpost keeps moving. I don't like that. So it's a wait and see answer, you know. Well, let's see. Used to be the benchmark was the R6, and right. everything got balanced to it. But then they added a head to the R6. Now, now it depends on who ports the head, and who does this, who does that. If they had a World Super Sports spec head to start with, then that would be the benchmark. Right. So now we have to see what Yamaha Europe comes up with as far as that World Super Sport head, how it performs on the dyno. And what the electronics, what the what the drawbacks are on electronics, and see how it stacks up against the Suzuki and all that. I mean, there's a little bit of politicking going on in there too. You know, they want all the different manufacturers to have a little bit of a, a little bit of glory, so they stay in it, right? Right, right. So that all plays into it too in the decision making process. So I, I don't know. I can hate politics. Yeah, I'm not a fan of all the politics. Governments can suck yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, yeah. so what's the master plan for Coda? That's up next, right? I mean, you said yeah. you're in the dyno room right now, basically already, right? Yeah, we'll probably start this you know, next day or two on the on, on some that's some fresh combinations. We might try to put a lot of load on the dyno and see if we can proof it before we end up over there at Coda. Right on. Yeah, see, if we can we can hold our own on the straightaways like we had a roll land, we can hold our own and. I think we've improved the bike again on the brakes and we've improved the bike uh, in the corners. So let's see if there's enough corners and braking uh, locations to make up for whatever we lack on the straightaway. Well, right on, man. Well, congrats on the championships. Like you just keep winning them. That's your job. Just a great big championship winning machine over there. Yeah, it takes some of the drama out of winning it this early, but those guys kind of gave it to us, huh? Yeah, I mean... It happens though, right? I mean, yeah. it happens in racing, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Jake Jake rode smart this year and and uh, made sure he got every point, all the points he can get, and that's that adds up. And yeah. At the end, you know, we we didn't have to work as hard as we did, but you never know how it's going to end. Well, I thought it was going to go all the way to the end. But you're still uh, planning on trying to win everything still for the rest of the season, oh, of right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, it's just like we go to Portimao. We want to try to be competitive. We always want to do that. Yeah. Cool, man. All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you get back to it, and uh, it's a good show, yeah. man. I'm on Chicago time right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Peace. Later. Okay.